What is up, guys? Welcome to the third out. Today is June 19th, and it is a beautiful day for baseball. We are going to discuss in this episode the American League West, go through those teams, give you guys a little bit of a preview, and then we're going to talk about some players who are having really good seasons, but more so players that we didn't expect to have good seasons who are doing really well. Kind of discuss those players, discuss if we think they're going to keep playing well or if we kind of expect them to drop off. But before we get into that. Yep. Uh, now we got some MLB news here for you. We got Jack Sawinski dropping three bombs today for the Pirates, uh, one of which was a walk-off home run. Big game for that rookie there. I mean, Pirates, they actually may have a bright future, and they're not in last place in the division. Uh, I think we all kind of expected them to be the worst team in the league, but they're not. So it's exciting stuff going on in Pittsburgh. Yeah, speaking of exciting stuff in Pittsburgh, another rookie, O'Neill Cruz, has been called up. Uh, you know, we are very big on O'Neill Cruz. He was my choice for NL Rookie of the Year. Took him a little longer to get caught up than what I expected him to, but he's getting the call up. And, uh, you know, I'm excited for it. You know, he's electric on the field. Should be uh, very, very fun to watch there in Pittsburgh. Yeah, you said it took a little longer than you wanted to. It took a little longer than it should have taken. It's a whole big argument about that whole thing. But mm -hmm. that kind of leads us to next week's episode. Give you guys a little preview. What we're going to talk about next week is we're going to talk about the NL Central. So the Pirates will be in that. If you're a Pirates fan, come back to that. And we're going to talk about some midseason awards. So I think Noah's kind of a spoiler here. Noah's award before the season, he was going to uh, give Rookie of the Year to O'Neill Cruz. So we'll see if he still sticks with that at the halfway point in the season or almost halfway point in the season. So we'll figure that out next week. But more news from this week. There was some good pitching this week. Miles Michaelis was one strike away from a no-hitter. And then Tyler Anderson for the Dodgers was two outs away from a no-hitter like a day later. So, I mean, pitchers are really going off this week. We had a lot of good games. A lot of exciting stuff happened. Um, I mean, we're just kind of at the – I don't know. We're not at the midpoint yet of the season, but there's just baseball every day, and it's kind of nice. Yeah, baseball yeah. every day. Players are finally settling in. You know, they're hitting their strides. They're all they're playing well. You know, pitching. You know, we saw a little struggle with pitching there at the beginning for some teams. Now it's collectively. It seems like pitching's finally coming together. Hitting's coming together. I mean, it. This is really the prime time spot uh, spot in the sport. Yeah, this is kind of where there are no other sports going on right now. We've got the College World Series at the moment. And then kind of when that's done, NBA Finals finished. So those are done. I'm not entirely sure where hockey is, but that'll be done soon if it's yeah. not done already. I think they, there was a game last night. So Yeah, they're in, their, not done they're in their Stanley Cup final. So, you know, a week, give or take, you know, with, you know, the hockey, then, you know, a couple weeks with college baseball, and then MLB's all you got. So thanks yeah. to the center stage. And we got the all-star game coming up. Lots of stuff mm -hmm. to be excited about. So with that, let's get into the American League West. Now, this is, I don't know, I'm always fascinated with this division. And maybe it's more so because it's West Coast and I don't get to watch as many games as I'd like to, especially like growing up and stuff. I can now, now that I'm in college and you know, don't go to bed at a healthy hour. I can stay up and watch more. But you know, this all this division has always fascinated me. But we're going to start at the bottom. We're going to start with the Oakland A's. What do you think about the A's here, Noah? 
mean, they're just doing, you know, stereotypical A stuff. You know, they look promising, and then they don't. And then they don't a little bit more. But, you know, they have a few good pieces there, maybe a few good trade pieces. Um, you know, they're not looking too hot. 9-30 against teams above 500. They almost have a negative 100-run differential, which is absolutely horrendous. Uh, I mean, they traded away Chris Bassett, you know, Matt Chapman, Matt Olson. I mean, so, yeah. Yeah, I mean, they gave up all the good players before the season started. Yeah. Which was expected. Yeah. But they got good stuff in return for those players. I mean, they got mm-hmm. 10 prospects for those guys that we mentioned. And seven of those 10 guys are in their top 30 prospects in the mm-hmm. league. So they, even though they only have the 22nd best farm system in baseball, which isn't good, the A's find ways to do things in ways that teams don't really expect or see coming. And so I feel like they're going to be fine in a little while. Um, they always seem to find pitching out of nowhere. They do some of the top prospects since we're going to kind of talk about the future because obviously there's not a whole lot to discuss for this year with the athletics. Um, so to, to, to discuss the future, I mean, Nick out, Al, Nick Allen, Dalton Jeffries, uh, those are the big names in the infield who should be coming up soon. AJ Puck should be in the rotation here soon. Um, but for a team that's looking to the future, they don't have like, many young players at the big league level. It's kind of weird. No. I mean, they don't have many guys in the minor leagues that, you know, that are close to being MLB ready at all. That's true. So, um, yeah. I mean, yeah. It's I think gonna... Christian Pache is their only rookie. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yes, I mean, it's going to be a good while before this team's even competitive again, it seems like. Yeah. So, Honestly, like the biggest question to me, because first off, their depth at catcher is insane. Their top two prospects are catchers. And they have Sean Murphy, who's one of the best catchers in the game. So they could easily have three of the top catchers. Do you trade Murphy? Is Murphy your future? Is one of the younger guys your future? Like, what do you do there? One of the, You have to trade at least one of the prospects. You don't need three. Yeah, you don't need three. Um, now, or you have to trade at least one of them. Or, you know, one of the three, either that's Murphy or one of the prospects. But, I I mean, you've stuck through with Murphy this long. I mean, you might as well, you know, keep him as, like, a cornerstone. If you bring up one of these guys, you know, let him mentor him a little bit. And then if this, if this young guy can play, then you move off Murphy. But, I mean, you don't need three. Yeah. No. <laughs> Their pitching staff is still pretty good, and we'll see how much of it sticks together, how much of it gets traded. Obviously, they have Frankie Montas still. Now, we've heard Montas in a bunch of trade discussions, and it's probably he's going to keep his name in a bunch of trade discussions. But he looks pretty good. Then they have Cole Irvin and Paul Blackburn, who really popped off this year. And we're going to talk about Blackburn later. Um, Because we're talking about players that we didn't expect to be good who are really good. But, I mean, they can pitch a little bit, despite how bad things are going. And whether or not these guys are guys of the future or guys that get traded, they're good players, and they're there in Oakland. So they deserve a little bit of love and attention. But that'll take us to fourth place in the division, which is the Seattle Mariners. 
Did not expect this one. Yeah, I didn't expect, yeah, I didn't expect them to be fourth. Uh, you know, the argue, we had them first or second in the division. I think one of – I think I may have had them first and you may have had them second or just flip-flopped, one of those. But we – I mean, fourth – we didn't think it'd be this bad at all, um, but they're not that bad. They're just, I think la- it's showing last year was such an overachievement for them. And then they're co- they're starting to come down to earth a little bit, but I don't, they're, de- they're not the fourth worst team in this or fourth best team in this division. No, I mean, four, three and two are really close standing wise. Yes. That said, they're not as close to a wild card spot as we would have thought. Yes. Playing below yes. 500. We would have expected them to be above 500. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of their struggle is guys that they signed or acquired that are playing really bad that we didn't expect to be bad, if that makes sense. So they signed, or excuse me, they traded for Jesse Winker. They brought in Adam Frazier, and Adam Frazier is a great hitter from the Pirates, and Robbie Ray, who just won a Cy Young. I mean, you think you're getting a bunch of great players there. And realistically, those are the three biggest weaknesses on their team right now. Or maybe not weaknesses, but like underachieving things on their team right now. Because they actually have a lot of players who are playing really well. Which, if you look at their record and their expectation, you'd be like, you know, I don't think there's many players overachieving here. But like, look at the guys on the team. There's guys overachieving. Like Suarez... Like, nobody expected Suarez to do much for him, but he's got 12 home runs. He's getting a lot of RBIs. Granny still strikes out a lot, but, like, he's being – he's one of their more beneficial hitters. I mean, yeah. you got Ty France yeah. playing like an MVP, hitting over 300. Like, probably the best first baseman in the American League, actually pretty easily. And, like, an MVP candidate behind Judge and Devers. Um, I mean, you got J-Rod, a rookie of the year. Candidate. I mean, 18 stolen bases there for him. He's really getting his batting average up. And then you got JP Crawford, who's like, he's been average for a while, but he's popping off this year. And so, I mean, if I told you that the Seattle Mariners have the MVP, a rookie of the year candidate, and the breakout player of the year, and a possible Cy Young candidate, you probably wouldn't think they're below 500 in fourth place in their division. Yeah, you would think you would win, be winning the division with the, with that. Yeah. Yeah. And so, I mean, I went through the offense and then I just kind of snuck in, you know, a rookie of the year or a Cy Young candidate. But before I moved to the pitching side of things, like, okay, if, if Winker steps up, if Adam Frazier steps up, and if Kyle Lewis gets healthy, this would be a nasty offense. Yeah, I mean, they'd make up ground very quickly. Yeah, and I think a lot of people don't realize how special Kyle Lewis is. Uh, I mean, he was a rookie of the year in 2020, and he's only played four games this year, but he has two home runs in the four games he's played. Like, he's, he's, a, he's an electric player. And so if you get those three guys back, man, That'd be good. Along with, I mean, the fact that you got Mitch Hanniger and Jared Kelnick, who should be better than what they are as far as how they're playing. But the rookie of the year candidate, or excuse me, not rookie of the year. He's basically a rookie. He pitched a little bit last year. The Cy Young candidate is Logan Gilbert. And if I told you the Mariners had a Cy Young candidate, 
you probably would have thought, yeah, Robbie Ray, the guy who won the Cy Young last year. But no, it's the young guy. And he's just come out of nowhere. I guess he was a top prospect. So I shouldn't say he's come out of nowhere. But he's 7-2, and 2.19 ERA, and 14 starts. We're going to talk about him a little bit later with overachieving players. The rest of the starting rotation, not so hot, though. Yeah. A little struggling just a little bit. Yeah. I mean, Robbie Ray eats innings. He's six and six. Flexen is, I think Flexen started all right, and then he looks terrible now. He's two and eight. I mean, Marco Gonzalez and George Kirby, like, are fine. But, I I mean, as a Cardinals fan, Marco Gonzalez came up in our system, and I thought Marco Gonzalez was going to be, like, the next great pitcher. And it just never happened. He's pitching decent now, but it is what it is. So third place and second place, these two kind of flipped on us um, today, actually. So earlier today, the Rangers were in second. Angels were in third, but now it's flipped. And now the Rangers are in third place and the Angels are in second place. That's how close these guys are. So with the Rangers... I mean, would you have expected the Rangers to finish in second or be in second at this point in the season? No, not at all. I would I would think they'd probably be in fourth. Yeah. I mean, even with all their signings, like what did you think of their signings before the season, basically? I mean, I thought they were good signings. I didn't know how much of it they were gonna how much was gonna work. Um but I mean it definitely made us pay attention to the Rangers, but I don't know if it was really what those what the team needed. They didn't get pitching. Yeah, they didn't get pitching. I mean, they got – yeah, you know, they signed shortstops, but, yeah, they didn't get pitching. So, I didn't really think they improved the team that much. I mean, they obviously got a little bit better, but I didn't think they – second place in the division good. Yeah. So, I mean, Corey Seager has been – Good, but mm-hmm. not Corey Seager. Exactly. You know yeah. what I, mean? Um, I mean, he's got a 745 OPS. He's got 15 home runs with a 230 average. Um, and then, obviously, I think we all know how much of a disappointment Marcus Simeon has had this year. Yeah. But he's kind of climbing back a little bit. He's heated up a little bit recently. He's up to six home runs now. I'm um, just kind of climbing back into things. Yeah. The real star of the offense, though, is Adolis Garcia. Yes. Like this kid is special. Um, he's still learning about the game. He's still getting better. But he is – he's their best player. Outside of that, I feel like they just make things work. Yeah. If, you know what I mean, they're, they're one of those teams like you got like Nathan Lowe, Nathaniel Lowe, and then you got like Cole Calhoun and Brad Miller. And those guys just like flip around. They get hits when it matters. And they get stuff done. They score runs. Um, the catchers are good. So you got Mitch Garver and Jonah Heim behind the plate. And those are two of the best defensive catchers in baseball. Mitch Garver's been injured a little bit. But Mitch Garver is their DH right now. Why is a defense first catcher your DH? Yeah, see, that doesn't make sense to me. Yeah. I mean, they don't have the depth to do anything else, and I get it. And I get it. Mitch Garver is hitting well. He's hitting above average, probably. 
And Jonah Heim is elite behind the plate, and he's been healthier, so leave him behind there a little bit more. But I don't know. There's so many teams that need good catchers right now. I Would you consider trading a top catcher for a DH to give up catching depth? And, you know, there's so much platooning in baseball today behind the plate. Like, a lot of teams use two catchers. Would you feel safe giving up one of them to try and get a DH? I think it would depend on the DH, obviously. But, I mean, if, yeah. it, was a, if it was a high-caliber guy, that would clearly help you win significantly more games than what it would if you would split time behind the plate. And then, yeah, I would probably do that. And I'm not sure that they're at a buying point in the season, though. Yeah. To where they're looking to get a player to try to make the playoffs here. Yeah, I would assume they would not be. I think yeah, they, what they have is working for them. Uh, you know, they're second in the division. So, but I feel like if you're outdoing expectations and you're still a little low, you don't try to like go the next step. Yeah. If you're like underperforming and in the exact same spot, like maybe the Angels. I feel like maybe the Angels would be buyers because yeah. it feels yeah. like they have more potential. On to the pitching side of things, though. Martin Perez, man, how good has he been? 2.1 yeah. ERA. Really, really good and did not see that coming. Obviously going to talk about him later in the episode, underperforming player or overperforming players. The rest of the rotation, not looking so hot. You got, I mean, you got Dane Dunning, Taylor Hearn, Glenn Otto. All look pretty bad. The good side is Dunning, Gray, and Otto have all had good starts in June. So they're showing that maybe they're getting on the right track. Maybe things are moving in the right direction. Maybe they're learning. Maybe they can figure it out. That's a lot of maybes, though. They need three good pitchers. They got one right now. Yeah. I don't know. John Gray probably doesn't have it. Do Glenn Otto and Dane Dunning have it? Like, Possibly. They've never proven it in the past. Yeah. But they could always start. We'll see. I mean, they don't have to be great. They just need more quality starts than what they get now. Yeah. Bullpen? Bullpen looks pretty bad. I'm not going to lie. How does Matt Bush blow three three saves and four opportunities. Like, how do you let that happen? But, yeah, bullpen's not looking too hot. So, with that, let's move to the Angels. So, the Angels moved back up to second place. I think we all know kind of what's happened with the Angels in the past. How long ago did they fire their manager? Maybe a week. Week, two, two weeks. weeks. Yeah. I think it was – in the middle of that big long losing stretch, I don't know. I think it was they went on a terrible. Yeah, yeah, yeah. they went on a terrible losing stretch. They lost like twelve straight games or something. More, maybe more than that. They fire their manager, Joe Madden. I think they got out of the losing stretch not long after that, but they stayed incredibly cold, and they didn't really turn it around truly. And. I don't know. They've kind of just floundered since. They're back to a five and five in their last ten games. 
They climbed back up to the second. So maybe things are starting to move in the right direction again. I don't know. Are, are they going to climb back up to playoff contention? I mean, I think they may, you know, stay right around where they are. I don't, I don't know. The Angels are so hard to judge because, I mean, they've had these expectations of being, I mean, good to, you know, decent to pretty good in the last, what, three, four seasons. I mean, you have Mike Trout, Otani. Granted, Trout was hurt last year. I mean, Otani's playing, you know, he's MVP candidate again. Trout could be an MVP candidate. But I don't know. It's just they they always have these expectations and they never meet them. I feel like the expectations were different this year. I feel like we always look at them and like, dang, that offense is impressive. Too bad they can't pitch. They're probably going to come up short. Or they, they should be good, but they just don't have the pitching. And this is the first year where I like was thinking coming into the season, like, man, they actually have the pitching. Yeah. But they're the Angels, and they'll probably let us down. But they actually have the pitching this time. That was kind of the thought coming into the season. And then they started the season on fire. Yeah. Yeah, they played very, very good. And then all of a sudden, I mean, they just started drizzling out, and then they lost, you know, 13, 14 games in a row. I think because this is just my personal preview on it, what I would predict. I think because of what they did to start the season – they know that they have that ability and they can do it again. And they can get back at it. Yeah. Um, yeah. Just the talent of this roster is unlike any other Angels roster we've seen in a long time. I mean, you got Mike Trout, obviously MVP season. And you, like, listen, you got to stop wasting MVP seasons of Mike Trout and not getting to the playoffs. Yeah. Like, that just can't happen. And now you're going to start wasting Otani. MVP yeah. caliber seasons. And you don't know how many years he can be a two-way player either. Yeah, I mean, yeah, there's no way he's going to be a two-way player that much longer. Yeah. Taylor Ward came out of nowhere. Now, Taylor Ward was injured, but he's healthy again. He's kind of been cold since he's come back, but he's probably just recovering from his injury. Maybe he can come back. Um, Rendon's out for the year now. But then again, Rendon hasn't played that much overall so like maybe that won't hurt them jared walsh has been a little cold but he was a little cold even when they were playing well Mm -hmm. so like i feel like there's room for them to improve still like brandon marsh could heat back up jared walsh could heat up otani hasn't even been hot yet like those guys heat up this offense is back yeah all right let's let's move to the pitching side because we always said you know their pitching is always what holds them back Otani has an ERA over three. He's not pitching as well as he did last year. No. He's not hitting as well as he did last year. He's all right. Patrick Sandoval, man, he's got a 2.7 ERA. He looks incredible right now. He, uh, I think he got kind of shoved around in one of his recent starts. Let me pull it up real quick. Um, Yeah. He hasn't looked as good recently. He kind of got beat up by Philly. More so him throwing a lot of pitches than getting beat up. Only made it four and two-thirds innings. But Sandoval has been their best pitcher by far. Reed Detmers had a no-hitter. Has an ERA over four, though. So, like, one good start, a couple good starts. Overall, hasn't looked that great. 
Noah Syndergaard, I mean, I he was my pick for AL Cy Young. He looked really good to start and then had like two or three terrible starts since. So Otani can heat up. Noah Syndergaard can heat up. If those two heat up, along with the way Patrick Sandoval is pitching, that's three amazing starters. I feel like you can make a a wild card run with those three in this offense. Yeah, yeah. If the a wild card, I think is real. I think you can do that with this team. Yeah. Now our next team, man, they're just gonna win the division, like straight up. So by a sizable margin in the American League West, first place belongs to the Astros. I mean, they're not giving this up at this point. No. Unfortunately, yeah, unfortunately, it is. Yeah. They are nine games up on everybody else. They haven't played many good teams. They're eight and seven against teams above 500, whereas most other teams have played like 30-plus games against teams above 500. A lot of that's due to the fact that teams are having to play them and they're a team above 500 and they don't have to play themselves. So, like, that helps them out numerically. Yeah. Especially the fact that every team in their division is below 500 right now. Yeah. I would say that'll help them out a lot too. Um, and that could change because there's, they're also close to 500, you know, two of those teams get above 500 and that ratio changes a lot. Yeah. But yeah, this team is incredible. So they won the world series in 2017. They've been good ever since like a world series favorite or a contender every year. Mm -hmm. And you look back to 2017, the other teams that like rebuilt and were coming up at that time, like the Guardians now, formerly the Indians at that point in time, the Cubs, those teams were did the same thing that the Astros did, and it did not last for them. No. But no. it lasted for these guys. Yeah, I mean, it for those other teams, it lasted three, four years at the most. I mean, the, yeah, the Guardians, I mean, they have been – you know, not World Series favorites like the Astros are. But, I mean, they were competitive teams. They were in the conversation of this team could win a World Series or they could potentially play for one. Yeah, and even, like, the past few years, they've been, like, I don't know, two, three spots out of a wild card. Mm -hmm. And they're, like, close, but, like, we don't really realize how close they are until the season's over. And, like, oh, the Guardians are there. Yeah. But I mean, it's the total opposite for the Astros. I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah. like you're saying, they all, you know, them, Cubs, Guardians, a couple other teams, all th- all came up there at once, and the Astros are the only ones still standing. I mean, everybody else is going through another rebuild. Besides, I mean, I don't really consider the Guardians in a rebuild, but I mean, they're not as good. Clearly, they're kind of coming out of it. If anything, yeah, <laughs> like, exactly. The Astros have stayed good enough, long enough. They've stayed good long enough to see the Guardians go into and come out of a rebuild, basically. Yeah. So, But here's how I think they did it. So their team from 2017 is basically entirely gone. Yeah, you have Jose like, Altuve. Jose Altuve, Bregman, and Verlander are the only guys left. Yeah. Verlander, they traded for him. They brought him in in 2017, halfway through. And then Bregman and... Altuve with the other two. Was Bregman even up yet? Was he like maybe even in the minors at that point? I think it I was. Know. His first or second year, I think. 
Yeah. Point being, they've basically ditched the majority of that team. And they've still, like this team now is carried by guys that are really, really young. And that's scary. Yeah. That means they're going to be good for a while. Like, this isn't just them stretching out this dynasty to like, you know, 2017 to 2022, 23. No, like they're pushing it out a couple more years even past that. So their their offense is good. Pitching is third best in the league. ERA is third best in the league. Obviously, you still got Verlander, who he missed a couple years, injuries, stuff like that. But he's back now, and he looks great. Framber Valdez has 13 starts and an ERA under three as well. Luis Garcia, Christian Javier, Jake Odorizzi, like all those guys look so good. This whole rotation is looking really good. The bullpen looks good too. Ryan Presley is a solid closer. Ryan Stanky has an ERA of 0.82. Like the pitching staff is just untouchable and it's young. Yeah. Like Brian Abreu, Luis Garcia, Christian Javier, all 25 years old. Jose Arquiti, 27. Framber Valdez, 28. Like those guys are going to be here a while. And if they're that good now, like insane. Yeah. I mean, their division's going to be theirs to lose for a few years at least. I mean, they're going to be the favorites for probably three, four years. And the offense has kind of the same deal because you know this was like you know it was Correa it was Springer it was Altuve it was Bregman like yeah okay Altuve and Bregman are still there but they're not doing a whole lot like Altuve is still decent he's still a leader of the offense I guess Bregman's not doing anything yeah no I mean it's shell of himself but these other guys man I mean Jordan Alvarez and Kyle Tucker are possibly the best hitters in the game. Yeah, Among the best in the game. Yeah, you, you could say. Top 10 for sure. Are I mean, Jordan know? Alvarez is playing like the best DH right now. Him and, him and Bryce Harper, AL and NL best DHs. Yeah. I mean, he's I he's playing very, very well. I mean, it it's and crazy. He's 24 years old. Yeah. I, and that's all he's done, too. It's just DH. So. Meanwhile, Kyle Kyle Tucker has the same war as Aaron Judge. It, like he's just quietly doing his thing, and he's not a defensive star either. That's exactly what I was going to say. He's quietly doing that. I mean, a lot of these guys are qu- quietly doing it. Meanwhile, they lost Carlos Correa, right? And we were like, "Oh man, that's not good for him. They're going to have a hole at shortstop." They don't have a hole at shortstop. They got an AL Rookie of the Year possibly at shortstop. Yeah, and someone who might be playing better, you know, at, than he did last year. I mean, he's look, Pena's looking very, very good. Yeah. I mean, Correa was the best shortstop in the league last year, or maybe second best to Tatis. Yeah. But, like, but Pena is going to win a gold glove. He's the yeah. best, he's the best yeah. defensive shortstop, and he hits pretty good too. So, I mean, Dang, that's they're gonna be good. They're they don't have a lot to worry about, especially with the way the other teams look. But that's the American League West, guys. And let's move into some players that are overperforming expectations. And at the top of our list, 
we're going to start with the offensive side of things. Our first three players we're going to talk about on offense are all from the American League West. So we'll move through these pretty quickly. Yeah. All guys you've already talked about. And to lead it off was literally the last guy we talked about, Jeremy Pena. All right. So he's 24 years old. He has, I mean, again, offense is good. I mean, like nine home runs, you know, OPS plus of 131. But his war is a 2.9. It's really defense. Mm -hmm. That's kind of what pushes him. But, I mean, how long is he going to be around? Like, the rookie. It's kind of wild. Yeah. He's he's got quite a bit left. Yeah. And the Astros, like, talk about perfect replacement for Correa. Yeah, I mean, he just – he fit the shoe perfect. I mean, there's no drop-off at all. Yeah. I mean, kind of common rookie struggles. I mean, if you look at his yeah. metrics, like he doesn't walk much. He lifts a lot, chases a lot. But, like, he has raw skill, and that's just learning the league, you know. He's a great barrel percent. So, he's going to be good for a long time. I wouldn't be shocked with a little sophomore regression, but he's going to be good. Yeah. That'll take us now to Taylor Ward. Second place in the American League West is the Angels, Taylor Ward. So he was on MVP pace, got injured, kind of held him back. He's bounced. Hopefully he'll bounce back from that. He has an OPS plus of 171. It was 108 last year. So he's really just hitting like out of his mind, like a 297 batting average, you know, 10 home runs going off. Yeah. I mean, this guy kind of came out of nowhere too, or at least for me. I mean, I knew he would be good, you know, solid. But, I mean, I didn't think he'd be a MVP candidate this year. The Angels didn't even plan on him being a starting outfielder. Yeah. Like, if you looked at the Angels' depth chart at the beginning of the year, like, Joe Adele was supposed to be their second-best outfielder. And Brandon Marsh was supposed to be the third. Yeah. Like, they didn't even have a spot for Taylor Ward. That's why they cut Justin Upton, too. Because they were so convinced that Brandon Marsh and – um you know, Joe Adele and Trout were their guys. And then Joe Adele just floundered. But, yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, the thing with Ward is he figured out, you know, just looking back at him from last year, he figured out how to hit fastballs. Obviously, fastball is the most common pitcher you're going to face in the MLB. And in Ward's career, he's always been about, you know, average to, you know, below average with the fastball, but he's always been really good at hitting the off-speed, like average to above average on off-speed pitches. So, you know, you just got to adjust to hit the pitch that you're going to see the most often, which is a fastball. Um, The numbers behind that one was in 2021, he had a 182 batting average against fastballs. 182, that is not good. Yeah, that's not going to cut it. Yeah. But he's really hitting the fastball better this year, but he's also hitting every pitch better this year. But I think it starts with the fastball, learning that, scaring pitchers a little bit, you know, moving up with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he walks a lot, doesn't chase. He's really good in that area too. Really good visually. That'll move us down to J.P. Crawford, staying in the AL West, Seattle Mariners, fourth place. So – J.P. Crawford, I think we've talked about him a couple of times on the podcast. We've always kind of like referred to him 
as like the middle of the line, like probably about the 15th best shortstop in the league, like right there with Dansby Swanson, you know, average shortstop, solid guy. He's going to go out there for you every day and do well, but he's popping off this year as well. He's got a war of 2.7 and an OPS plus of 133. Yeah. I mean, this guy, we, we talk, not every podcast, but we, we talk about him a decent amount. And, I mean, yeah. we're both very high on him. You know, his Woba is one of the best in the league. You know, although his exit loss, he's one of the worst. You know, it's hard. doesn't hit the ball very hard, but, I mean, but he does hit it. You know, he makes contact well, so. Kind of your lead-off shortstop type of guy, you know. He's going to exactly. get on base, get that kind of thing. Um, very similar to Ward because he was really struggling with the fastball and that's kind of just what he fixed this year. So he's looking a lot better against the fastball. Um, he, his Woba against fastballs this year is 446 and every other year has been in the 300s. So really just boosting that up there. That's really, I think, the biggest thing for him. Finally, we're going to make it out of the AOS for a minute. CJ Crone for the Rockies. Did we put him on our top 10 first baseman list or was he one we just talked about wanting to put him on? I think he was on there for us. Yeah, he, he, oh, he was on there. I think he was, he was like our 10, 9, or 8, somewhere in there. Yeah. But I remember watching MLB Networks roll around and they like basically trashed him and was like, no, he's nowhere close. And I was like, I don't know about that. He's pretty good. He has looked really good this year. 136 OPS plus. Uh, war of two. It's not actually that much better than him last year, though. He had an OPS plus last year of 130. So 130 to 136 isn't a massive jump. He's just been a really good hitter. Nobody really knows about it. Yeah. It just, I think he got the attention because he was leading the league in home runs for a while. I think that's what brought it to him. Yeah, he was finally getting some recognition that he's deserved. I mean, he's pretty, he's a quiet guy. He, uh, so I mean, his play is just the same. I mean, he just consistent all the time, just real quiet about all of it. And then, you know, finally gets some recognition. You know, he was leading the league in home runs. Now people are finally starting to pay attention to him a little bit. Yeah. Now that everybody else is heating up on him, I am kind of cooling down on him. Yeah. Uh, yeah. His, his average exit velocity is incredibly low. I'm not a big fan of that for power hitter. His K rate, walk rate, chase rate, all of those are really bad. I think he just got off to a hot start, and I think he's cooling down a little bit now. We'll see. Um, the thing he has started doing better, unlike the last two guys, is he's hitting the off-speed pitches better. This year he has a 481 Woba against off-speed pitches. And he had a 225 Woba against them last year. So he's hitting off speed better. That was his adjustment. But yeah, I, he's cooled down since the beginning. He's doing well. I'm not saying he's going to be bad, but he's kind of just dropping to, you know, a mildly above average first baseman again. Yes. Not the guy that's going to lead the lead home runs. No, no. I mean, he. this wasn't a guy that was. Gonna lead the league home runs whole season, but you know he's he's got flashes where he's gonna be really good. Yeah. All right. 
pitchers, your guy over in New York, the big one, Nestor Cortez. Yeah, we're starting off. Starting off with probably the hottest one, in my opinion. Uh, I mean, this is a guy, you know, he's 27. Kind of came, I mean, he's been a solid pitcher, but, I mean, he hasn't been the Cy Young candidate that he is now. Yeah, you know, he has 70 innings, an ERA of a 1.94. You know, as a whips, a 9.33 ERA last season was a 2.9. his FIP from this year, 2.88 FIP from last year, 3.78. Uh, and then his whip there is a 1075. So, I mean, this guy's playing extremely well. I mean, he's throwing very, very good. And, you know, he might be one of those guys, kind of like Robbie Way was last year. You know, he comes out of wins a Cy Young. And then I don't want to say disappears, but, you know, kind of settles down back to where he typically is. Yeah. So what we're kind of seeing this year is, you know, we've been seeing flamethrowers come up and up. And, you know, we get more and more flamethrowers, guys that throw really fast. You know, it's kind of become all one thing. And these guys who slow it down, change speeds, change arm angles, stuff like that, they can kind of finesse their way in because – Hitters don't see it as often. We're going to see a couple of those guys on this list, actually. Uh, that's kind of why I think he's been dominant this year, because they're got less guys are doing that, and he looks really good with it. Mm-hmm. Um, Repertoire-wise, he threw the cutter 23% time last year, and he's moved it up to 40% this year. So he's throwing the cutter way more. And fastball 37% time. So those cutter fastballs basically all he throws which kind of reminds me of a reliever, and that kind of scares me that he doesn't rely on more than that. I'm also not a big fan of the all the different arm angles. I know it's working right now, but I just think as a hitter, like eventually you have to figure out, like, oh, he dropped his arm angle. It's a cutter. Like, it's that big yeah. of a tell. Yeah. You got It feels gimmicky. Like, he's getting people with a now. I don't know how long it's going to last. We'll see. Obviously, he looks really good. Oh, I, I hope he continues, you know, being successful. I don't want any guy to not be successful, but like, I'm not convinced that it can last at this point. Yeah. I mean, it, you were talking about arm angles and, st- and stuff like that. Yeah. I mean, once they figure out the arm angles, it's probably going to be done. I mean, he's not. I don't want to say, you know, he's going to be horrible, but I mean, he'll settle down and you know, he's not going to be the Cy Young candidate because I mean, they'll know what pitch is coming, especially when you yeah. only throw two pitches as a starter. Yeah. That kind of scares me a little bit, especially like in playoff time, you only got two pitches to throw. Yeah. And I guess the thing is with the arm angles, like he can make it look like more than two pitches. Because if you throw a cutter over the top and then drop your arming a little bit and throw a cutter again, it's basically appearing like two different pitches. Yeah. But you don't want a hitter to know what pitch it is that soon out of the hand. So, yeah, it it's working now. We'll see if it keeps going. Dropping it down, Michael Kopech, back to kind of a, a fireballer. I mean, White Sox got themselves a, a young guy here. It's looking pretty good.
Yeah, heavy fastball. Um, room to grow. The thing I kind of like about him is he stepped up in the big moment. He had a Sunday night baseball game against the Yankees, and he just like showed up and went off. And you know, young guys aren't going to be consistent. There's a lot for them to learn. But if you show you can shut it down in the big moment, that means you have what it takes. And that's what I like mm-hmm. from him. Yeah, I mean, he's playing very, very well. I mean, 26, so he's still young, especially as a pitcher, 26. He's got 52 innings in him. There's ERAs out of one nine two, FIPs out of three one two. Uh, you know, he threw 60 innings all of last year. So his ERA is 3.5. You know, his FIPs at a 2.97. Uh, I mean, he's he's looking pretty good this year. Uh, you know, another flamethrower. Um, but, yeah, I mean, he shut down that Yankees lineup. I mean, a lot of – especially recently here. I mean, there, a lot of pitchers struggle mightily doing that. Because, I mean, the first six guys are – I mean, watching the game today, the announcers described as a bear. I mean, that could be an understatement. I mean, those guys yeah. can those guys can hit. So, I mean, him shutting them down, I mean, yeah, he's he's good. He's playing very, very good this year. I, I It's probably going to last all year. Yeah. And a career, I think, for him. Just oh, yeah. Guys. Especially if he can learn, you know, like young guys can rely on the fastball as they get older. They'll learn to use other stuff. He'll figure it out. Paul Blackburn, back to the AL West. We're going to go back to the AL West for the next two guys, I think. Um, yeah, he came out of nowhere, as all these guys kind of did. Him more so than others, because like Kopech was the top prospect, right? He didn't really come out of nowhere, just finally made it. Blackburn came out of nowhere. His strikeout percent has jumped up 5%, average exit velocity down three miles per hour. Um, He's increased the use of his curveball. So kind of what I'm seeing is some of the older guys increase use of the off speed. Some of the young guys increase use of the fastballs. That's kind of the way this list is working. Um, He is just pinpoint accurate. You look at his his charts and where he hits his pitches, like he hits the spots like nobody's business. Um, I think that makes him sustainable. Like if you can hit your spots, you can keep it up, right? It doesn't matter. You're not going to worry about losing your velocity and stuff. Um, may even get traded. So we'll see. Maybe he can be good for a competitor. Yeah. I mean, I, I wouldn't be against that. Not, I can, I could see that happening. You know, one of these contenders that need another guy in the, you know, another guy to go and like, Oh, let's go get him you know, make a push for the playoffs or push to, you know, your World Series, whatever aspiration you have there at the end. Um, yeah, I mean, I that's definitely a possibility I can see playing out. Yeah. Down to another, not a rookie. Basically, it could be a rookie. I think he only threw like 40 or 60. Mentioned this guy is in the Cy Young discussion. Another guy who's this fat one. Um, I think he's going to be good. Just keep that in mind before I say what I'm about to say. 
He uh he leaves his fastball over the middle too much, and it's gonna Boba shows he gets lucky a lot. Um hitters should be hitting him a lot better than what they are. The good news for him, last year he was super reliant on his fastball. This year he has, you know, he his other pitches are looking good. He just needs to trust them. Yeah. I mean, he's, you know, 25, you know, we got Logan Gilbert here, you know, he's 25, you know, he has 77 innings already. Um, I mean, 2.22 ERA. He's got a FIP at a 3.02 whip, you know, at a 1.065, you know, this year. And then last year, you got a ERA of a 4.68. So you cut your ERA in half. And then you got a FIP of a 3.78 and then a whip of a 1.173. I mean, so, I mean, he's playing significantly better than last year, obviously. That's why he's on the list. He only pitched like 40 or 60 innings last year, but it was his rookie year as well. This is basically his rookie year. Yeah. Yeah. But, I mean, still, even with, you know, 40, 60 innings, I mean, a 4.68, I mean, it's not a bad ERA. But that's learning the league. Exactly. Yeah. So, you know, he's finally got his footing under him here. I mean, he's playing well. Um, I mean, I think it's the super talented guy. Yeah. I think he needs to learn to trust his other pitches because his other pitches are good. He just doesn't throw them enough. And he leaves his fastball over the part of the plate a little too much. And he gets lucky with it a good bit this season. I think if he gets back on that, and me, he may have to learn his lesson the hard way. I think he could have an incredible year this year. Maybe take a step back next year and kind of get beat up by some, you know, some hitters whacking his fastball a little bit. And then he'll learn and he'll adjust. He's 25 years old. So he's going to be good for a long time. Mm-hmm. All right. This is basically Nestor Cortez 2.0. Martin Perez for the Texas Rangers. Um, 31 years old, kind of a similar story to Nestor. Been around a long time. Been consistent a long time. Been, you know, in the league doing whatever. And then kind of just jumped out this year and has been incredible. And again, same as Nestor. Hits his spots, mixes speeds, mixes locations. You know, I think he gets it done. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, this guy, yeah, he's 31. He's got 81 innings in him this year. This year's ERA, he's got 2.1 FIP at a 2.63. His whips at a 1.107. Again, ERA, last year's ERA was 4.74, so another guy cut it in half. Um, FIPs at a 4.82, and then his whip at last year was a one. 509. So again, guys, stats significantly better than last year. Um, I mean, Grant, you know, he's been in the league 10 years, um, rough about, at, you know, kind of came out of nowhere for him. I mean, he's never been this good. Uh, you know, he's one of those pitchers that doesn't strike a lot of people out. But I mean, he gets out. And I mean, that's what you need as a pitcher. Yeah. I think his progression has been coming. Like you said, he's been in the league 10 years and it kind of finally broke out this year. 
I think if you look at 19 and 20, you can see some of his other percentages getting better, proving that he's been working his way to the top. Again, I think, like I said with Cortez, like the league has been priming him for this because we bring up more and more pitchers who just throw incredibly hard, and it just paved the way for some of these slower guys to get better and better. Um, Yeah, I think he can last as long as the league lets him get last. Mm -hmm. Like he'll last as long as Nestor Cortez will last. He'll he'll last as long as Miles Michaelis will last. Like those guys, they're guys that hit their spots. They may not throw as hard. They may not strike guys out, but they get the contact they need. Exactly. That's all that matters. They get guys out. All right. So we talked last week about the NL West. And the last three guys we have to talk about are from the NL West. So we will combine the two Diamondbacks first. We got Zach Gallon and Joe Mattaply. And this, I think Mattaply is the only guy we've had in the bullpen that we're going to talk about. So Mattaply has had 24 games. He's got a 0.37 ERA. Zach Gallon, on the other hand, has a 291 ERA. The FIP kind of shows a little bit of luck, right? So the FIP shows a 3.65, meaning his ERA may be a little lower than it should be. But Gallon has a whip of 0.985, which is incredible that he's below zero in that, or below one in that. Um, yeah, I mean, Gallon. Not applied. The the Diamondbacks need pitching. Is this the answer to, for that? It could be. I mean, you got guys twenty six. You know, we got young guys in here. I mean, they're playing very, very good. So, I mean, it could be. It's yeah. promising, more promising than what they have had in a long time. Yeah. Um, Gallon, big thing with him. Um, 2019, he had an ERA of 2.8. 2020, he had an ERA of 2.7. 2021, a lot higher. Um, yeah. He's been good under 100 innings. Once he gets past 100 innings, he starts falling apart. Mm-hmm. That's kind of just him being young, I think. I think he'll figure it out. But I think that shows that he – I mean, he's had three years now where he's had an ERA under three. I feel like that means he's legit. Yeah, I mean, I think it has to. I mean, yeah, he's 26. Right now he has 65 innings in him. And, you know, and his ERA is at 2.91. So, you know, he's right there on par. Uh, But, I mean, is this year that, you know, he doesn't fall apart at 100 innings? It's got to happen at some point in his career. Like, he's 26 years old. I think a lot of that is just him being young, more so than him fatigue or something like that. Yeah, Um, yeah. I mean, exactly highly reliant on his fastball, though. And that may yeah. be part of why he falls apart so early in the season. Until yeah. he learns to rely on his other pitches, he may struggle with this. Yeah. Uh, especially as a starter, you can't, I mean, you can rely on your fastball a little bit. Especially but, as a young guy. Yeah. But, you know, once you, you know, you're in the league a few years, you know, you've kind of worked your way around it. You got to throw and work some other pitches in there. So you're not just throwing, you know, 100 miles an hour fastball every time. I mean, yeah. you gotta gotta get some movement in there, you know, strike people out, and you know, do some stuff like that. Yeah. And our last guy, Tony Gonsolin. Now, I mean, Tony Gonsolin has looked really good. A 1.42 ERA. I think 
the thing with Tony Gonsolin is he just got one really unhittable pitch, and that's his splitter. Um, I mean, we see this work for Kevin Gosman, and Kevin Gosman's pitching incredible right now, mm-hmm. by the way. But everybody knows Gosman, so he's not on this list. But the split finger fastball is an incredibly hard pitch to hit. I think that's just what it comes down to right here. And he throws one incredibly well, second best in the game to Gosman. Yeah, I mean, he's throwing very, very good right now. I mean, yeah. I mean, yeah. Once someone can figure out how to hit that split finger, I mean, it's going to be rough. I mean, he's, I mean, that, I mean, it's untouchable. Yeah, I think the reason it works. So I can't really illustrate this now because we're on a podcast and it's, you know, no visual. But you come over the top, you know, arm angle, and you have a slider, a fastball, and a, and a split finger. And they're all released in the same point. And one goes straight, one goes left, and one goes right. And it's the rarest combination in the game. Yeah. I mean, a hitter's used to like, okay, does it go straight or does it go, you know, away from the arm angle? Like, that's normally the only movement you'll get. But you never, like, as a right-handed hitter, no right-handed pitcher can throw a pitch that breaks through your body except a split finger fastball. And they're extremely rare. Yeah, and and they're tough to throw. Yeah. So... All of his pitches are good. I mean, his slider has a Woba of 144. Um, you know, his fastball is good, and obviously the split finger is good. I just think, you know, split finger is obviously the reason that it works. And the reason he hasn't been good before in his career is because he's never relied on the split finger like he has this year. Yeah. I think he finally learned. I think he probably watched Gosman and was like, oh, that's how we do it. And yeah. boom. Yeah. Took yeah. Off. He- Finally figured it out. I was like, all right, th- this is my pitch. This is my staple. This is how I'm going to succeed. And, I mean, he – at a 1.42 ERA, he's definitely succeeding. Yeah. Now, I will say, expected stats, not looking so good because his FIP is a 3.11. Um, his FIP is always a lot higher than his ERA is. I, I think he's going to be good. I think he's going to be – of around a three ERA, maybe a high two guy, but I don't think he's going to stay in the ones. I think that's not much. Yeah. Yeah. So those are the guys who are looking really good. Um, Make sure to come back next week, guys. We're going to talk about the NL central. Make sure to keep up with those Instagram reels as well. Posting a lot on there. Um, Make sure to be sharing them, sending them to your friends, but thank you guys for joining us for this episode and we will see you guys next week.